Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We uh, <clears throat> we believe the truth is paramount as defined by God's Word. You remember Jesus said in John eight thirty one, "You are my disciples indeed, if you continue in my Word." And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we're only a true disciple of Christ. We have all these people out here claiming to be disciples of Christ, but we're only a true disciple of Christ if we continue in Jesus' word. And then, and only then, will the truth set us free from sin if we follow the truth. Following false religious teaching does not make us free from sin. And then John seventeen seventeen, Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So it's of utmost importance that we follow the truth, but God's word defines for us what the truth is. Certainly does, and that's why we let it have priority on this program. Where we're living, listen, what you have to say, understand, though, the Bible, God's word, decides all issues. We were talking about if statements, con- conditional if statements, pretty much just running straight through the New Testament uh, in order. Uh, looking at each conditional if statement. Maybe I'm missing a few. I'm not sure. But here's one. Galatians 3.29 says, And if, there's our word if, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if we're Christ, we're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise, meaning we get the benefit of the promise to Abraham. The promise to Abraham was made to him and his seed, but it said in Genesis 12, 3, in thee, in Abraham's seed, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. We benefit from that promise if we belong to Christ. If we belong to Christ. If we don't belong to Christ is the implication. Then we're not Abraham's seed, spiritual seed. We're not heirs according to the promise. Now, that brings up an, a very critical question. If we're only heirs to the promise of Abraham, if we belong to Christ, how do we belong to Christ? That's Galatians 3, 29, verse 26 and 27, two or three verses before that tell us how. It says, for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So, So verse 26 is asserting that we're children of God by faith. No doubt about that. We are children of God by faith. But this verse 27 begins with the little word for, which means to introduce the reason. In other words, the reason a person is a child of God by faith is because he's been baptized into Christ. The way a person becomes a child of God by faith is by being baptized into Christ. A lot of people want to say, all you got to do is believe. You don't have to be baptized. But this verse asserts that you can't be a child of God by faith unless you've been baptized into Christ. And get that, it's baptism into Christ. Meaning, if you haven't been baptized, you're not in Christ. Because the only way you can get into Christ is through baptism. Galatians 3.27 says you're baptized into Christ. So that's how you end up belonging to Christ. You become a child of God by faith, by being baptized into Christ. When you do that, you put on Christ. Skipping back down to verse 29 then, which is our if statement, It says, and if you be Christ, which we just learned how to do that, you become a child of God by faith by being baptized into Christ, you 
are now belonging to Christ. And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's, Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So you obviously then have to have faith and baptism in order to receive the salvation that God promised Abraham way back yonder in Genesis 12, 3. Of course, he's talking about the salvation provided through his descendant, Jesus Christ, the remission of sins through the death of Christ. You can only get that by becoming a child of God by faith, by being baptized into Christ. And there, then only then do you belong to Christ and become an heir of Abraham's promise, uh, uh, his seed, Abraham's seed, spiritual seed. You don't have to be a physical seed of Abraham to enjoy this promise. Physical descendant, spiritual descendant is what he's talking about here. As the announcer said a while ago, <clears throat> if you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. You may have a Bible question or comment. Would like to go on there and ask me or make a comment? The lines are wide open. The number to call is 877-655-6755. And then I find the if statement Galatians 5, 2 through 4. It says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. You know what Paul's teaching here? And the same thing is pretty much the dominant theme of Acts chapter 15, the debate going on there. You have Jews that have been converted to Christ saying these Gentiles who have been converted to Christ, have to be circumcised to be saved. Well, see, that's easy to say for the Jews. They've been circumcised when they were eight days old before they can remember anything. But now they're demanding these Gentiles who have become Christians be circumcised. They may be 40 years old and have to be circumcised. Ouch, according to the Jews. And Paul's saying, no, circumcision was just part of that Old Testament law. And if you try to bind that Old Testament law, if you seek to be justified by the law, you're falling from grace. You lose your salvation. That's how serious this is. If we try to bind circumcision or any other Old Testament law today, we lose our salvation. We fall from grace. You know, you can't fall from a tree unless you're in a tree. So, And you can't fall from grace unless you're in grace. So these people were in grace. They were saved. They fell from grace. Now they're lost. Teaches this idea of once saved, always saved is false to the core. And this passage is not ambiguous. It's clear as a bell. You, the Baptist will say you can't fall from grace. This verse says these people had fallen from grace based upon the fact that they were trying to be justified by Old Testament law. Like the Seventh-day Adventist would be a good example in our society. Trying to say that you have to keep the Sabbath today. You can't work on Saturday. Because how do they justify that? They have to go back to the Old Testament law. And, and this passage is saying you can't do that. As a matter of fact, verse 3 says, every man that is circumcised, he is a debtor to do the whole law. The point is, if you try to bind even one thing, one instruction, commandment in the Old Testament, to be consistent, you're going to have to bind the whole thing. You can't just say, well, you got to be keep the Sabbath, but none of these other things. No, if you got to keep the Sabbath, then you'd have to do animal sacrifices. You'd have to circumcise your little boys at eight days old. You couldn't eat pork and catfish. Uh, all kinds of things you couldn't do that are Old Testament laws because you'd have to keep the whole thing if you're going to go back to that law. What Paul is trying to say is don't try to bind anything the old law. We're under the New Testament law exclusively. So if we want to know what to do today to please God, to be saved, how to worship God, how to live your everyday life, we turn to the New Testament. That's our law for Christians today, for anybody living today. Now, does that mean the Old Testament is worthless? No, the New Testament 
quotes, refers to the Old Testament quite frequently. So we want to study the Old Testament, not because it's our law for today, but because it's going to help us understand the New Testament, which is our law for today. You see that? Don't try to bind anything in the Old Testament. Only bind the New Testament. That's Paul's point in Galatians 5, 2 through 3. And if you try to bind the Old Testament law as a Christian, you lose your salvation. A lot of people say you can't lose your salvation, but here's clear proof that you can. Now, somebody might look at verse 2 and misunderstand. He said, if you be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So they said, well, I was circumcised when a little boy. I didn't have a choice. So am I going to be lost because of this? That's not what Paul's saying. Go down to verse 6, Galatians 5. Verse 6, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. He's not saying it's a sin to be circumcised. He's saying it's a sin to bind this and say that people have to be circumcised or they're in sin. Or the parents will be in sin if they don't circumcise their little boys. Now, we have four children, three boys. Carol and I had our three boys circumcised but not because it was a religious law, because we thought, and we could have been wrong, we thought it was the most healthy thing to do. Some parents may not agree, and it's their choice not to circumcise their little boys. It doesn't matter, Galatians 5, 6. You can circumcise or you can not circumcise. Neither one of them avails anymore. Now, it did avail in the Old Testament, but not under the New Testament. But he says what avails now is faith which worketh by love. There's another passage, and they're all over the place, teaching that we're not saved by faith only. This says the thing that avails is not circumcision, not keeping the old law, but faith which worketh by love. So you got to have faith all right enough, but if all you have is faith, it's not good enough. The thing that avails is faith that works. And that work has to be motivated by love. It takes all three elements. Faith which worketh by love. If you're out there and you don't and you have faith, but you're not working, then you're not pleasing to God. You're not on your way to heaven. And if you have a faith, even if it's working, but it's not motivated by love, you're still not on your way to heaven. It's got to be faith which worketh by love. That's the thing that avails. Verse 6. Not Old Testament law, laws like circumcision, but faith which worketh by law, love. That's a person who, through faith in Christ, keeps the instructions and the commandments of Christ. Not the law of Moses. Moses was their leader. He keeps the law of Christ, Galatians 6, 2, 1 Corinthians 9, 21. Christ is our leader. So we're to follow his law, not the law of Moses. And then I come to another if statement. But let me, before I go to that, let me announce the number again. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. The next, excuse me, the next if statement, Galatians 6.1. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So it's possible for a Christian to be overtaken in a fault. And the job of those of us who are left, those of us who are spiritual, other Christians, we're to try to res- restore him in the spirit of meekness. Not in the arrogant way. We're better than him. We didn't fall away. Not like that in the spirit of meekness. Because we need to be meek and humble about it. Because as this verse is trying to tell us, the same thing could happen to us. It says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It can happen to anybody. Take heed. 
Let, let, let him therefore that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It can happen to anybody. So Galatians 6, 3 says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. There's an if statement. If I think too highly of myself, I'm deceiving myself. And again, we just quoted 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. When we're trying to restore someone, a Christian who's fallen from grace, that's our job. Don't get arrogant about it. I'm better than him. I didn't fall. No. Remember that you can fall just like he did. And so restore him in the spirit of meekness, kindness, gentleness. That's really the best way to reach him anyway. If you're going to be mean to him and act like you're better than him, you're probably not going to reach him. You got to do it out of love. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. G from Florida. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I just heard you, uh, with all due respect, I just heard you said that you can lose your salvation. Are you, uh, I, I just, I couldn't believe my ears, you know, that, uh, in that uh, that's is that what you're preaching yeah you know it so many people and i say this with all due respect with love so many people have been fed this lie that you can't lose your salvation that they ignore uh, the no. the uh, hold on, the uh, hundreds of passages you, hundreds literally you. hold excuse on let me, me finish on one second excuse me one second how do you have literally the hundreds of passages that teach you can lose your salvation there are hundreds of them, and not a single passage teaches that you can't. But what's happened is all these preachers and Christians, they want to claim they're Christians and live any old way they want to. So they came up with this doctrine that you can't fall from grace. So they can live any old way they want to and still be saved. And then that's been propagated and propagated, repeated, repeated, so much so that people just assume that it's true. And so when you give a verse that conclusively proves you can fall from grace, like Galatians 5.4, you get a caller that says, he's just incredulous. Pat, how could you teach that a Christian can fall from grace, even though you just gave him a verse that conclusively proves it? And there are, like I say, hundreds of passages that do the same and not one that teaches otherwise. But it's just been propagated over and over and over. And it just assumed that a Christian can't fall from grace because people want to live the way they want to live and still be saved instead of living the way Jesus told them to. A life of service is wishful thinking. They want that to be true, so they believe it even though all the evidence, all the proof is against it. Galatians 5.4, which I just read, says you are fallen from grace. As I said, you can't fall from a tree unless you're in the tree. So they were in grace. They fell from grace. So clear. So many passages clearly show you can fall from grace. Here's another one. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus said in Revelation 3.5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. What is that verse saying? If you overcome temptation, persecution, Jesus will not blot your name out of the book of life. That implies that if you don't overcome temptation, he will blot your name out. Now, you, your name's not going to be in the book of life to start with unless you're saved. The book of life is the list of the names of all the saved people. Here it says your name can be blotted out of the book of life. That means you are in the book of life. You were saved. Your name was blotted out of the book of life because you didn't overcome temptation. 
you're not saved anymore. Again, that's more conclusive proof that a Christian can lose his salvation. He's in the book of life. His name is blotted out of the book of life. Jay from Pennsylvania, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I had a question about Corinthians chapter 1, verse. I'm sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 13, um, that talks about uh, the foundation of Christ and then what uh, one builds on it, and then subsequently about the one who builds on it with wood, hay, and straw, it gets burned, but they are still saved. Um, so yeah. Just your thoughts on that. Yeah. If you notice the context, verse 5, he says, Who is then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Then verse 9, for we are laborers together, that's the Bible teachers, with God. You are God's husbandry, you are God's building. So Jay, what he's talking about here is when we're out trying to teach the gospel, share the gospel with others, and everybody's supposed to do that. When we make converts, that's the work there. That work, our converts, can either turn out to be gold and silver or wood, hay, and stubble. So if one of our converts doesn't live right and loses his salvation, that's not going to affect our salvation. Our work, our converts, whether or not they remain faithful, does not affect our salvation. That's that's what 1 Corinthians 3 is talking about, is the teacher's work, his converts, and whether or not the converts remain faithful. If they do, you're, you're rewarded for it. If they don't, you lose that reward, but you don't lose your salvation because they were not faithful. Does that make sense, Jay? Uh, it does. I, I'm just wondering that verse uh, where it says, each one's uh, work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And Remember, then, Jay, in uh, this context, the work is your converts, not your personal right. works, like, like whether or not you helped a little old lady cross the street. <laughs> but your converts... If your converts don't stand the test of fire, that won't affect your salvation because you're not responsible for anybody but yourself. So think when you read works in here and you'll, you go back and read the chapter of yourself. It's talking about your converts. Mm-hmm. I see. And what about uh, 15? It sort of says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as, yet so as through fire. So again, our works are our converts. So if, I if I convert somebody, John Doe, and that that John Doe does not stand the test of fire, he doesn't live right, then I'm going to lo- lose some reward, but I won't lose my salvation because John Doe, my convert, quit being faithful to God. If any man's work, that's talking about his converts, if you look at the context. i tell you what I want to do, Jay. If... Maybe I can call you after the program and get your email address, and I'll send you some material how I go through the context and show how work here is the converse. And then that clears the whole thing up once you realize that work is converse in this chapter. I'll send you that material. I'll try to call you later to get your email address. Okay, Jay? Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for your call, Jay. Mike from New York, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, you were just talking about uh, the Mosaic Law and 
and what we need to do today. You know, that law has kind of gone away. One of my questions is, what about tithing? Is tithing still considered something we should practice today? Is it a sin if we don't tithe? No, tithing means 10%. And that was an Old Testament law. It's not in the New Testament law. So we're not required to tithe per se 10%. My wife and I, I'm not trying to brag, but just to help you understand what I'm saying, we give quite a bit more than 10%. 10% is not required. Here's There's a number of passages in the New Testament that tell us that we ought to give. It just never tells us 10%. Well, here's, here's one in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And so we're still to give as we've been prospered. The more we make, the more we give. But the 10% number is not required in the New Testament, not specified. That was an Old Testament thing, and the Old Testament's not binding anymore. Does that make sense, Mike? That makes sense. Thank you. I was just, I would, you know, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I encourage in faithful Christians. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I had grown up in a church that, you know, that was tithing was considered a part of the, I guess, rules that we followed, although the church did change over the years. But I was just unsure what I should be doing. I, you know, I agree with you. Giving um, is something that, you know, as God is blessing us to give back to him something, you know, not necessarily if it's 10 percent or Sometimes you have more or whatever the case, but yes. But uh, I, I do agree with you, and I do thank you for your time. Mike, we can't bind tithing from the Old Testament any more than we can bind the commandments back then to do animal sacrifice or to circumcise little boys at eight days old or to keep the Sabbath holy or or not to eat pork and catfish. All of those laws were nailed to the cross, Colossians 2, 14 through 17. And the New Testament tells us to give based on how much we make, and I really encourage faithful Christians to give more than 10. Think about how much better our covenant testament is. If We should be thankful enough to give, I think, more than 10% to try to help spread the gospel, to help needy Christians. There's a lot of needy Christians, for example, in Africa suffering right now because they're not getting any rain. And if we give, if we're just real cheapskates on our giving, we're not going to be able to help those Christians in Africa. We're not going to be able to help to spread the gospel by sending preachers to the, quote, missionary fields. You know what I mean, Mike? Yes. yes. Let's be generous with our giving, okay? But let's don't bind the Old Testament. Okay. Thank you for your call, Mike. Thank you. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Here's another if statement, Colossians 1. 21 through 23, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister." If we continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away. Again, shows we can move away. It's our choice to move away. But if we're, if we continue in the faith, that's the idea. We have to continue in the faith. Be not moved away. Let's see if I can take this call real quick. Jake from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. 
Um, yes, I just wanted you to expand a little bit more on something you mentioned earlier between the rewards um, versus salvation. I've always heard this before, and it's always been a little confusing. Is this, you know, when you talk about rewards, is it a, a better heaven that you're going to get versus even getting to the heaven period? Just kind of curious if you could comment a little more on that in the broader context. I've only got a minute, Jake, so I'm going to make this really quick. In 1 Corinthians 3, if I were to be fortunate enough to convert somebody to Christ through the, through the gospel, which is the power of God into salvation, Romans 1.16, let's say his name's John Doe. If he remains faithful, I get rewarded, according to that chapter. If he loses his salvation, he leaves the faith, I lose that reward. So, yes, the conclusion would have to be there are different levels of reward in heaven. Just like we see in other passages, there are different levels of punishment in the bad place. But let's just concentrate on trying to get to heaven and avoid the bad place. I don't think we need to worry too much about the rewards and the different levels of punishment. Let's just try to get to heaven and then hopefully we're, that'll be, we'll be satisfied. Jake, appreciate your call, okay? Thank you. If you, if you want to study with me, free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753.